1992, Hurricane Andrew ripped through southern Florida and flattened thousands of homes, except one, just one. Thousands, gone, but one stood. So they went to the owner and said, what's the story? How come your house stood? And he said, well, I built the house myself. And he said, I just did everything according to the Florida building code because they told me if I did, it could withstand any hurricane or storm. So when the code called for two inch by six inch roof trusses, I used two inches by six inches. I built everything according to the code. They said it would stand the hurricane and it did. So he went to all the trouble, all the effort to reading the code, complying with the code, and obeying the code. And his house stood while everyone else's was flattened. So if we build our lives according to the code, which is the Bible, and obey it, doesn't matter what life throws at you, doesn't matter how severe the storm, how great the disappointment, how horrendous the offense, how bad the sickness, you will not fall. You, it's a promise of God's word. Build according to the code. Christianity is not complicated. It's not a mystery. It's not, how does this work? No, no, it's very simple. Read the code. Obey the code. And you can face the future with 100% confidence. You don't have to worry if the devil throws everything and the kitchen sink at you. You're just going to stand in the midst of whatever comes your way. I wonder how many of you would like to feel very confident. You know, we're in perilous times and it's going to get tougher. It's going to get more difficult. We all know that. And it's going to get harder for Christians. But how many of us would love to be able to say, that doesn't matter. Just does not matter. I'm building according to the code. And my God has said, my God has promised, if I do that, I will stand. It doesn't matter what the hurricane, what the storm, what the giant, what the mountain, what the trial, what the hurt, what the abuse, what the disappointment, what the battle that I go through. It will not matter because I will stand. I have read the code, I've obeyed the code, and I am confident facing the future. Anybody with me this morning? Because we're wise, aren't we? We're wise. And I pray to God, and I believe in this house, there will not be one foolish person, not one foolish person, who says, ha, I can't be bothered reading the code, and if I read it, I'm not going to obey it. And that person is foolish. Foolish. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, I'm no fool. Oh, that's pretty quiet. Try that one again. I'm no fool. 
Go to another coast and obey it. You know, when you obey God's word, two things happen. When you obey it, you actually understand what it means. So often we read it, we don't understand it. But when you start obeying it, you'll actually start to understand it. That's when you get a real revelation of the word. And secondly, when you read it and obey it, it can then start transforming you. You see, transformation and growing in God is not from reading the word. It's not from sitting and hearing sermons. It's actually doing that, but then obeying it. When you obey it, it becomes like, wow, that's pretty fantastic. And, it, and your life begins to be changed and transformed. So it all comes down to the wise man who, who built according to the code. Take a note of this. The bridge between information, heard a sermon, read the Bible. The bridge between information and transformation, oh, my life was changed, is obeying the truth. I thought that would get a clap or something. No? No? I, 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 thought, I thought that was good preaching. I really thought that was, I thought they're gonna, they're gonna be, they're gonna think, man, pastor, you're amazing. <laughs> but you didn't think that, did you? <laughs> Say it again. The bridge. Brilliant information. And breakthrough. And miracles. And transformation. And peace and joy. And victory. The bridge between knowing all that and experiencing it is obedience. Obeying what the book says. Thank you for that kind and gracious person who launched a clap to encourage the pastor. Thank you so May God bless you abundantly. May you get all the Christmas gifts you've ever dreamed of. May there be a $10,000 deposit in your bank account. Whoever you are, I declare the blessing of God over you this morning. <laughs> For those of you who didn't clap, um, no, 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 we won't go there. Watch this. I'm going to give you a verse that you're going to love and hate. Love and hate, all right? Here it is. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Do you like that? Yes. He's going to make you go up and not down. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But God is, doesn't make it quite that simple. Then it says, if. Don't you hate the ifs of the Bible? I mean, they're irritating, eh? The ifs like, God, could you just skip the if, please, occasionally? He says, ta, sorry, can't do it. So he says, I'll make you the head, yeah, on, and not the tail. Yeah, you're going to go up and not down. If, oh, you obey the commandments of the Lord. What a killjoy. <laughs> like, we love the first part, but we skip the if. We skip the conditions. And then we wonder why it doesn't work why I'm not living under the blessing of God. And while everyone else sings, I've lived in the goodness of God, you're thinking, uh, no. All my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. Everyone else singing it, you're thinking, I don't think so. 
because you get all this stuff if you build according to the code. You read, you obey, you do it. And we know too many Christians, none of you, of course, because you're here, who went through a trial and a storm, crashed. No longer in church. Raise your hand if you know someone like that. We do, don't we? I know heaps like that, so many, because they were ultimately foolish. They didn't build according to code. So try not to think, yeah, but their trial was severe. No, no, that's not the issue, friends. Because if there's validity for a severe trial to take you out, then, hey, we can't preach this stuff. My Bible says it doesn't matter what it is. You can stand strong, overcome, and be victorious no matter what the devil throws at you. So A.W. Tozer put it this way, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear. That's an interesting way he puts that, isn't it? Because you know what's gonna keep you from this book? It's not gonna be all the bad stuff. It's the good stuff. You might say, yeah, yeah, but, but you know, I'm serving God. Yeah, but I'm skipping the Bible. It's a good thing. You know, but, but I'm, I'm out there doing community work. Yeah, you're good on you, but if they're keeping you from the Bible, it's your enemy. So, you know, but, but you know, look, you know I, just, I just worship and pray all the time. Great, good thing to do, please keep doing it. But if it keeps you from the Bible as well, it, it just, it's not good. So it's good things that keep us from the book. It's not bad, you're not out sinning and therefore not in the book. Well, that could happen too, but not any of you. I know you're not like that. But <laughs> are you? Just checking. So we've got to obey what God's word says and get in the book. So instead of so much time in Facebook, get your face into the book. If you get your face into the book, and when you look, you're gonna see with clarity of vision. When you got face in the book, when you face the trial, You've got to have boldness and confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Get your face. Tell the person next to you, get your face into God's book. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in today's church of great speakers, Christian TV, I know you all watch Running With Fire on TV. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you, I said thank you. It's really good. It means a lot to me that you do that, you know. And so when you do, please contact Shine and tell them how good it is, and they'll give me more slots and better times as well. So appreciate your support. Uh, but with all of that, you know, books and internet, it's easy, it's easy to be satisfied getting God's word into us from someone else. But what that is, friends, is it's secondhand teaching. And it may not even be right. Yeah. Did you think about that? Yeah. That great speaker you heard? Yeah. It just may not even be right. You think about it, it sounds fantastic. Doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. So it's secondhand teaching and it's secondhand revelation. Yeah. And that's okay, but I'm not sure it changes you that much. If you get into this book yourself, get first hand teaching and first hand revelation, 
it is going to absolutely begin to transform your life and change your life. And you're going to get excited about the book. Now, some of you listen to me and say, oh, yeah, but pastor, that's not me. I'm not that spiritual that I can get into this book and get revelation and I can get teaching from God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because it's the Holy Spirit who teaches you. You don't have to go to high school or, well, you should do that, but you don't have to go to university. <laughs> you don't have to get a degree. You don't have to be highly qualified and all that sort of stuff. You just need the Holy Spirit. How many of you have got the Holy Spirit in this hand? Yeah, you will got the Holy Spirit. So from the, from the brightest person in this building to the dumbest person in this building, it don't matter. You, every one of us can read this book and get teaching direct from God and direct, revelation direct from God because the Holy Spirit is a great teacher. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. You get into this book, you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and reveal things to you. He will do it in Jesus' name. So every one of us can be people who get in this book and who get teaching for ourselves, get revelation for ourselves. We don't need the second-hand stuff. That, there's nothing wrong with that. You can get some of that, but more important than that, get it yourself. Yes. Get it yourself. Get it yourself. Because when God speaks to you and you get revelation, it changes your life. It's your life. That becomes your strength. Then mark it, underline it, because those verses are going to be the... Your, your history, they're going to strengthen you for the rest of your life. That's why it's so important, because I've got many verses God has spoken to me. I just go back to them over and over and over again. Encourage you to do that. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Dale Moody put it this way. When I pray, I talk to God. Great. But when I read the Bible, God is talking to me. So listen as you read. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. All right, Bible quiz. Who's ready for Bible quiz? There are not many hands going up here now, but you should because you're all in this book. All right, so as long as you weren't in the first service. Which of the following is not in the Bible? Now, very careful. I've got about five of them. Think about it. Think carefully. Which ones are not in the Bible? All right. Number one, cleanliness is next to godliness. Is that in the Bible? Mm -hmm. Not sure. Uh, God helps those who help themselves. Here's a, here's a good one. Confession is good for the soul. Another one. Money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. Last one. Honesty is the best policy. Guess what? None of those are in the Bible. How many got 100%? Yeah, about three of you. Sometimes we put more weight on man's opinions than God's opinions. And we end up getting ourselves into trouble. This book is powerful. It is amazing. So Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When you don't know this book, the danger of being destroyed in life, in your walk with God, and in many, many other ways. So I want us to go to a verse of scripture that I, I really hate this verse, all right? I just hate it. Some of you might like it, but I hate it. Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. I'm not sure I want God to do that. Try me, know my anxieties, which are a few. 
and see if there's any wicked way in me. Well, gosh, I think there is some stuff. And lead me in the way everlasting. How many of you like me, you hate that verse? I'm the only one. Oh, you're all like Jesus. You've been transformed by reading and obeying the code. Well, anyway, just stay with me because I found that verse very hard. The philosopher Socrates said this, an unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined life is not worth living. So if you have a garden and you don't examine it and tend to it, instead of roses and tomatoes, like I have in my garden, in my dreams, <laughs> instead of roses and tomatoes, you have weeds, unattended. If you go away on holiday for three months and lock your house up, when you get back, I guarantee dust and dirt all over the place. Friends, if we do not examine our lives on a regular basis, weeds, ungodly things are gonna grow and develop in our lives before we know it. And we're gonna have a struggle to get some of those weeds, attitudes are gonna come, you know, thought patterns are gonna come. And so we gotta examine. So what the Bible is, friends, God's word, you know, we need to examine our lives and make our lives, make adjustments to keep our life right with God. Because if we don't do that, our life's gonna filter away from God. So God's word is like a mirror. And so we look in the mirror and we see, it reveals what we are like. And uh, so this morning, I I looked in the mirror before I came here. And I, yeah, I thought, "Mm -hmm. it's not bad. Actually, it's quite good, I think. (laughs) I don't wanna get proud or anything like that, but. Um, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Yeah, there's a lot of you that should have. <laughs> I mean, just looking around, as some of you, I can tell, <laughs> didn't, you didn't notice? So imagine looking in the mirror. <laughs> you imagine, it, I'll be on the door at the end with a rag to clean you up, so. Um, imagine looking in the mirror and you see this dirty mark, maybe your mascara or something. It's kind of dripping all down your face and sort of on your lips and even down your neck. And you think, oh, I'll fix that up after church. Now, you, w- you wouldn't do that, would you? Because that would be really dumb. <laughs> so you'd clean yourself up. So when you read this book, and it starts to, you read, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. And you're just going through something right now and you're not suffering very well at all. Or well, it's talked about, you know, it says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control or gentleness. You read that sort of stuff and it speaks to you. So what are you gonna do? You're ex- God's examining you, examining your life. You go away and you make some adjustments. You make some changes to your life because an unexamined life, says Socrates, is not worth living. Tell the person next to you, time to examine your life. <laughs> oh, these words. You're going pretty quiet on me this morning, folks, but that's all right, that's all right. I can live with that. Now, Jesus was pretty tough on uh, this sort of stuff. 
So he, he didn't like the Pharisees. There's none, none in this room, obviously. They're all out there. They're in other churches. Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Why is he saying woe? He says, you're like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful outwardly. But inward, inside, are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Can I just throw in a thought here for all of us? Is I think, quite frankly, it's more important to look good on the inside than on the outside. Whoever started that clap, God bless you too. Um, so, question. How much time do you spend making sure you look good outwardly? And how much time do you spend making sure you look good on the inside? Which means how much time do you spend in this book? Just a thought. So, Pastor Chuck Swindle was a great preacher. He was in the Marine Corps. And his barracks mate, mate made it clear he wanted nothing to do with religion. He said, don't cram that stuff down my throat. So Chuck was involved in a scripture memory program. So he just asked his mate to help him to review the verses. And the guy said, yeah, look, I'll help you. But hey, I'm not interested in becoming some kind of a monk. <laughs> but they think all Christians are, by the way. Um, so he listened to Chuck. He corrected Chuck and all the rest of it. And there was not a glimmer of interest 25 years later, Chuck gets a phone call and says, hey, this is Eddie, your old buddy in Okina from Okinawa. He said, I'm a Christian, thanks to you. Remember the verses we worked on? They worked. Friends, when you read this book, it's powerful. It changes your life. I mean, that guy was not even interested in the Bible. He didn't want anything to do with Christianity, and yet the Word of God still transformed his life. Isn't that interesting, eh? The Word can change our lives. And that's how powerful this book is. That's why it's worth getting into it. Even if you don't feel like it's changing you, it is. So here's a quote for you. You don't grow by hearing, but by doing. That's how we grow in God. Do you know that the Bible has lost its place of central importance in the church and the Christian life? That is one of the tragedies of our time. One of the great tragedies of our time. The Bible has lost its place of central importance. Not only in, our, in, not only in the church, but in our lives as well. And that's really a masterstroke of Satan. A masterstroke of the enemy. Because this is central to our faith. Without this, we don't know the message of salvation. Without this, we don't know about Jesus. We don't know about what's happening in the world. We don't know how to live our lives. We don't know how to know the blessing of God. Without this book, we, do, we, we, we know it. Christianity can't be done without this book, by the way, folks. So the enemy's very clever. He knows that his greatest threat is this book. Satan's greatest threat in your life and in the, is this book. So his greatest target is to undermine this book or get rid of this book or sideswipe side or get some, whatever he has to do. He's got, he can't let us be locked into this book. Because he knows that is the power of God to our salvation. It's how we live our Christian lives. And so one of the things, it all began in the Garden of Eden. So one of the things that he does is he undermines its authority. So you read something, and he's you know, like Adam and Eve, and he says to Eve, has God said? Like, did God really say that? You, you, 
You, you, you, you really think that's true? Has, has God really said that there's a heaven and a hell? Come on. Come on. Are you really think that by his stripes you're healed? Hey, look, you're sick. You know? do, you, do you really believe that you have authority over the enemy? Because that's what Luke 10, 19 says. And so you think, oh, gosh, I'm not sure. When you question the authority of this book, you lose your authority. Too many Christians have lost their authority. I wonder why is this not working? Yeah, yeah. You cannot edit the Bible. Yeah. You cannot adjust the Bible to fit what you think God should be like. Yeah. So what happens then is you create your own God yeah. to fit what you're happy with. Wow, sure. Yeah, I can love a God who's full of blessing. There's a heaven. There's no hell. You know, there's no punishment for sin. I can serve that kind of a God. So we create our own God. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't change God. So what some people do is they have a lifestyle that fits their theology. This is my theology. I think, you know, living with my partner is okay. So, hey, so my lifestyle fits my philosophy, my theology. What we need to do, friends, is our lifestyle needs to fit God's theology. Our lifestyle needs to fit God's theology. So God doesn't line up with our lives. (laughs) Our lives line up with God's word. Is that right? So we follow what God wants, not what we want. You know, they say this, to understand God's word, for it to come alive, is not first an intellectual challenge, it's a moral challenge. Watch this for a moment. A person may struggle with engaging in God's word and obeying it because they watch questionable things on TV or movies or they're dishonest with finances or they compromise or whatever it might be. See, the pathway to maturity is not first being an intelligent person, it's being an obedient person to the best that you can do it. I know you're not perfect, but you're doing our best to do it. So what we do with drugs or alcohol or or media or leisure or morality affects how the Bible impacts our life. So understanding, getting revelation from this book is not, first of all, an intellectual issue. It's actually a lifestyle issue. And so some of the, some of the, 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 some of the PhD, PhDs out there who cannot make any sense of this book, they are smart, they are bright, they may even be Christians, but they can make no sense of this book. There are people out there who've barely been to school, can't even write, but can understand the deepest things in the Word of God. So friends, getting the truth of God's word, being changed by God's word, is not a matter of being intelligent. It's not a matter of being an intellectual. Some of you are thinking, well, I can't get revelation. I can't understand this book because I'm not very bright. I didn't get through school. I was was the dunce of the class. It doesn't matter if you were the dunce of the class. It's not how bright you are. It's not how clever you are. It's the life that you live. The dumbest person can get revelation. They can understand the deep things of the word. They can stand at a pulpit and declare truth and everyone's going to think, how on earth did he or she know that? They got no education. They're just from a village in the back blocks of wherever. But friends, it's not an intellectual issue. It's a moral lifestyle issue. You live according to God's word and you will get revelation. You'll get understanding. You'll get teaching. You'll be ahead of everyone else around you. Do not disqualify yourself thinking, I've not been to Bible college. I've not had studies. I flunked every class at school. 
Well, I hope you don't flunk every class at school, because that's not very good, really, but hey, if you do, it doesn't matter. You know, when I was at Grammar, whenever they, they, you know what they used to do? Shit, I haven't recovered. <laughs> English exams, we'd have English exams, and they would hand them out from the person who was bottom of the class, they handed them out first, and then they just worked up to the person who got first. So when I can remember the teachers, no, I'm not gonna mention it, because he's probably listening. Um, <laughs> and so when it came to handing out the, the, the marks for the English class, before he said the first name, I walked to the front. Because <laughs> I knew I was gonna be last in English. So, but it doesn't matter. That was a pretty high class, by the way, so it's not like, <laughs> it's not like I was dumb or anything like that. Well, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I'm just from a village in India, folks, come on, <laughs> give me a break. So, but it's not a matter, what point I'm trying to make is not a matter how bright you are. Yeah. It's the life you live. This book's for everybody. Yes. Richest to the poorest. Yes. The first to hear the... The first to hear the message of Jesus was shepherds who were outclassed, outcast, the lowest, you know, right down the bottom of the pile. It's not about intelligence. It's a heart thing, folks. It's a heart thing. You can be a champion in this book. Everyone upstairs and down, you can be a champion in this book. I am running out of time, but I've got a few more things I want to say, and that is live within the boundaries of this book. Mm. You see, this is, let's say this is the Bible here. Let's say this presents the Bible, all right? So I want to encourage you, live, live within the boundaries of this book, okay? Stay within it. Whatever it says, just stay within it. One of the temptations we find, friends, is okay, because inside the boundaries is protection, provision, the power of God. But if we step outside the boundaries of this book, go right to the edge, and then we go outside the boundaries, it's a cliff that you fall down into great trouble. So one thing we've got to do is know what's in the code and live according to what is written in here. See, the problem is when life gets tough, the temptation to go outside the boundaries gets very, very strong. So we're in a time of financial crisis, you know, the cost of living has gone up, you know, the bills are coming in, Christmas is coming, and so, you know, we're struggling financially, and so we're under great pressure. So what do we do? We go out and we rob a bank. <laughs> well, that, that, I don't think, those of you who are guilty of that, we can pray for you afterwards. <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing to do, by the way. But most of us, most of us smart enough, no, 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 I'm not gonna rob the bank. I'll just rob God instead. The Bible says in Malachi 3, will a man rob God? Answer, yes. How do you rob God? By withholding your tithes and your offerings. It's actually robbing God. Look, I don't know about you. I might rob Puff from Pastor Steve or grab something out of Pastor Sam's back pocket while he's not watching, get his wallet and take 10 bucks out of there. I might, I might do that. I probably won't, but I might do that. I'm telling you what, I ain't robbing God. The fear of God is too strong in me to rob him, especially when he says, if you rob me, you're gonna get into all sorts of trouble and strife. So I'm not going there. But can you see the temptation to go outside the boundaries of this book becomes stronger and stronger and stronger? Or maybe you're here and you're, you're searching for love. <coughs> and you know, you've come to Church Unlimited. 
You've checked all the talent. There's not much offering. You've looked around, upstairs, downstairs, side to side, and you think, no, no one good enough for me here. So what do you do? Tempted. I've got to find love. There's a big void in my life. I've got to find someone. So you wander, and you go outside the boundaries of this book. I'm telling you, you sink into a deep pit. Do not go there. You're better single. You're better single. A lot of married people tell me that they're better single. (laughs) It's good preaching, man. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help us. So, um, So you find an unbeliever. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Clear, black and white. There's the boundary. Don't get yoked to an unbeliever. Full stop. That's not complicated. But the temptation can become very, very strong. Stay within the boundaries of God's word. 1 John 2 verse 14. I've written to you, young men, include young women, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. When the word of God is strong in you, that's when you are able to overcome the wicked one, defeat the enemy and all his attacks that come against you. And I believe across the church in the Western world, there is a call of the Spirit. There is a call of the Holy Ghost. There is a call of God coming to men, women, young people, and children to be strong in the Word of God, to know this book and to build according to the code to live according to what is written in this book and to stay within the boundaries of this world. We need a generation. May you be one of that generation. May I be one of that generation that'll stand up and be strong in the Word of God, friends, because if we are not strong in the Word of God, if we're not Bible readers, we don't live according to the code, what hope is there for the next generation? What hope is there for our children, friends? If they don't have the Bible locked into their lives, Their ability to survive the storms of life is going to go right down. So become a Bible champion, if not for your own sake, for the sake of the generations that are to come. So as I close, the hindrances to reading the Bible, I mentioned them before. Top three is this, lack of self-discipline. Everyone say Mm self-discipline. That's what you need. Self-discipline. Get up in the morning, read your Bible. Before you turn the light out at night, read your Bible, not just for a few minutes, give it some quality. 28% lack self-discipline. Secondly, distracted by other activities. 26%, just distracted. They start to open their Bible, and the phone rings. Start in the Bible, and the text message comes through. Whatever it is, you know, or your wife calls out to you, husband calls out to you, hey, this, whatever. We get distracted by other things. And then the third thing is we're just too busy. 24% are too busy. So as the music team would please come, can I encourage you? Engage with and read through God's word in a year. Why not next year? Why don't you just put, put the challenge out there? There's some reading programs I think may still be, there's still some, still some out. Grab one on the way up. And you know, what I reckon you should do is actually pay for it because then you think, good, I better use it. But they're actually free. The problem when they're free is you can take it and just put it somewhere and not use it. But anyway, 
hey, take one and pin it to your um, fridge. Get a magnet, pin it to the fridge. So it, even if you're not doing it, it reminds you that you should be doing it. And read through in a year. And if you do that, I guarantee your work with God would rise to new heights. Your love for God and His Word will go to another level. You'll step into so much more of the favor, the blessing, the victory, and the transformation of God. We declare in Church Unlimited, there will be a Bible reading revival in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.